Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. We are on this week's episode. We're going to be looking at the Boston Red Sox. We're going to be looking at some free agency stuff that is taking place. We're going to be looking at the uh, Patriots and a big, big Buffalo Bills matchup. And then we're going to be looking at the Boston Celtics and some stuff on the Celtics. So, let's get started. For... The Red Sox, they went into free agency having a bunch of different needs, and they lost out on Rodriguez, who was uh, a big part of their team, and they had a ton of different sort of uh, questions that were uh, on everyone's mind, on what they would do to fill that role and the other roles of the team. So they added a few players. Uh, first, they added outfielder uh, Rob Refschneider who uh, played with the Twins before he was with the Yankees for the first part of his career. Not really the greatest, um, has been average at best, but maybe he'll be a minor league outfielder, maybe he'll play in the majors if they need one, but that's probably not going to happen, and so they just brought him in. And then they did address uh, their pitching a little bit, and when it comes to their pitching... Basically, they brought in two guys who hopefully can be big parts of this team. Now, to me, Michael Walker comes in $7 million one year. He's average, was okay for Tampa Bay last year. Wasn't the greatest, but he was all right. And then you have another guy coming in, and James Paxton, who was the lefty for Seattle, the Yankees, back to Seattle. He's going to have Tommy John, probably won't play most of the season. So Michael Walker comes in, arguably your fifth starter, fourth or fifth starter. And then you have also coming in James Paxton, who $10 million for one year. And then there's uh, incentives bringing it to $25 million potential uh, contract size um, for maybe two more years, I think. There's protections, team options, whatever. So this is not about this year for James Paxton. It's about next year hoping he comes back healthy, and then you have him and the rest of your pitchers. I think for the Red Sox, they're in a tough spot because there were a lot of big names, and they just didn't go after any of them. And Cheryl Bloom seems like he's not the guy who's going to spend all this big money on players. Um, He doesn't seem like he's a Dave Dombrowski where he's going to trade away the farm for a bunch of big names. But the thing is, Red Sox don't have a farm system that's anything worth looking at if you're another team. It's probably top 10 worst farm systems in uh, baseball. I think it's somewhere in the high 20s, 20, 21, 22 area. Uh, but it's not really that good. And so you're going to have to go out and use your free agency money and get players through free agency because you don't have the pieces that other teams do to trade for players because a lot of your prospects don't really have a pipeline that is looking like success in the MLB. That's changing. They do have uh, a first, two second round picks and a third round pick in the next draft, but um, right now it just seems like, yeah, they're farm system needs some rebuilding and it looks like for now it's time to 
maybe go out and get big name for agents, which Chamberlain doesn't seem like he plans on doing or wants to do, and I don't really know why. He is... Um, kind of been running the show and it was a very good year last year but I feel like because it was so good you'd want to add more to maybe solidify that we got lucky against Tampa Bay maybe they were injured uh, players that should have if they had come back helped the Tampa Bay Devil Rays defeat us in the first round you'd want to think that you know Houston's within range and if you can go out there and actually compete and you get free agents to help you compete, you could potentially fill the void uh, at some of the positions of need, such as shortstop or first base, and then you could actually compete against Houston. But, I mean, so far the Red Sox haven't done anything that's made me say, wow, um, they've basically signed two below-average pitchers, and they haven't done anything in first base department, outfield department, any sort of outfield, second base, first base, any needs in in terms of player-wise haven't really been filled. And it's not good, right? Because you got to spend the money, right? To a point um, that I believe uh, is true is that, you know, you have to win by spending money in certain ways. And a combination of having your own prospects and your own players while also adding in the pieces you need in free agency or trading for the pieces you need is what they need to do, right? And I think Charon Bloom, because of the Dombrowski mistakes, is trying to kind of wipe his slate clean just a little bit and potentially, you know, consider, you know, smaller contracts or guys who aren't top tier and I wasn't expecting the Red Sox to get a number one pitcher. But I did expect them to do a little bit better than what they've done so far. Now, it's not over yet. There are still a ton of big free agents that could come here. Or just pieces they could use. But the number one thing they need is a closer. And I've said this before. They need a closer who can come in on day one. Who can come in any game, any night. And close the game out without hesitation. The Red Sox kind of didn't have that guy, whether it was Barnes or Adovino or whoever. They really didn't have someone they could say, okay, ninth inning, we're up by one, close the game out. You're the guy. They don't have that. And they've had great pitchers. They've had great players. But to me, it just doesn't seem like at the end of the day, the Red Sox are what they um, were last year. And they need to do some moves, make some moves, and do something because I honestly just don't see the Red Sox competing again. If other teams are making all these moves and getting big, big name players, you know, what are you guys going to do? Right? Because Texas added two new infielders. Seattle added a pitcher and where are the Red Sox in this? Right? You know, Toronto's made their moves and, you know, there are so many other teams that have kind of, stepped up in, you know, different ways, you know, the Red Sox just didn't, haven't, and that's just unfortunate, because if you want to compete, that's what you got to do, um, I think that's kind of, um, you know, where, uh, they need to improve, uh, is just bringing in players who are actually good players, and, you know, just helping your team, um, 
you know, compete because they were great last year. You want to kind of pile it on, keep going, and try and, you know, get better and actually compete for, you know, World Series instead of kind of just not doing that. And, you know, I think that's what they need to do. So we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. Hopefully things go great. Hopefully um, they can at least kind of make something of their free agency. Who knows? New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills. New England Patriots are 8-4. Buffalo is 7-4. Patriots have uh, a bye week coming up after this game against the Buffalo Bills. This is at Buffalo. Patriots have three important games. Buffalo, Colts, Buffalo. So, to me, the Patriots have to win two of these games. Ideally, the two games they win would be both of the Buffalo games. But... At least they got to win two games to kind of make it worthwhile because I feel like for the Patriots, if they lose both these games um, in terms of uh, the Buffalo series, if they lose both of them, then when it comes to the playoff race, they're going to slip a little bit because right now they're the number two seed, but they uh, most likely will probably uh, slip um a lot farther down, potentially um, down uh, to the 6th seed or even the 7th seed, depending on how the Chargers do, or Vegas, or uh, Denver. Uh, so, you know, this is a big series. I think the rest of the season for the New England Patriots is big because you have the Bills, the Colts, the Bills, and at the end of the season, the Miami Dolphins, who tend to always be a problem for no reason whatsoever and let's just say we're tied going into that last game of the season because we split the Bills series we beat the Colts we beat the Jaguars the Bills split the series with us they beat their other two games we have a bye week we're tied with record and then it comes down to Miami Miami's always just given us trouble for no reason they're always been they've always been a terrible football team least over the last 25 years and they seem to always just get something right at the end of the season and I don't know why the NFL tends to put the Dolphins at the top and the bottom of the Patriots schedule every year maybe because they just want the Patriots to have a game that always is just tougher than expected because I don't really know what the point is it seems like every year it's around the end of the season it's never in the middle. You never play the Dolphins like week six. It's always like the last week of the season or the second to last week of the season. And they always seem to beat us when it doesn't seem like um, they're that great of a team. So I don't really know where it goes from here in terms of the rest of the season. But um, I'm going to just say that the Patriots uh, are probably going to win against the Colts, the Jaguars, split the Bills series. If they can win against the Dolphins, then it might be a tie going into the AFC East standings at the end of the season, which, unfortunately, because the Patriots split with Buffalo, I don't know who actually gets uh, the edge um, in this one. Uh, I don't know if uh, they flip a coin. I don't know where they go from here. But um, that's a big deal because let's just say... New England has tied record with Buffalo, and whatever one of those teams has the number one spot. Let's just say number one seed Patriots or the Buffalo Bills, depending, 
and they have a tied record. I don't really know how that would work because they've split the series in this one. My best guess would be it would go to Buffalo because at the moment, the Buffalo Bills have won pretty much all of their games in um, division games, at least. They beat the Dolphins twice and the Jets, uh, and they got the Patriots, and the last game of the season is the Jets. So we need the Patriots to win and the Jets to beat Buffalo in the last game of the season. Or we could just beat Buffalo twice, and that just solves our problem entirely. But um, the Patriots need to beat Miami. The Jets need to beat Buffalo because then you get... uh, the Patriots in Buffalo with uh, against um, AFC East standings and even uh, playing field, which at that point, I don't actually know what they would do, to be honest with you. I don't know if they would uh, give it to the Patriots or Buffalo because they have the same record. Let's, again, assume the Jets, they beat Buffalo. Then the Patriots have one loss against Miami, which is one loss in the AFC East and one loss against Buffalo, and then Buffalo Bills have one loss against the Jets in the AFC East, and one against the Patriots, and I don't really know what they would do, just uh, in my opinion. I really don't know what would happen, but the Patriots just need to uh, do their best, and if they can win all these games, that'd be great. If they can't, then they can't, but there's only so much, um, uh, you know... That's pretty much all they can do. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Moving on to the Boston Celtics, and I want to look at a few things, just kind of going over everything with them. So, first, um, Ennis Cantor. He is a U.S. citizen. Um, He is now Ennis Cantor um, Freedom. Uh, So he is actually not Ennis Cantor anymore, but he's Ennis Freedom. Cantor is his middle name. I don't know if he has a middle name, but it would probably be NS middle name Cantor Freedom. Um, so that's uh, where he's at right now. Uh, I'd like to take a second and talk about a former um, member of the Boston Celtics who decided he uh, is not really uh, happy with his situation in New York. Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks took out the struggling Kemba Walker from their rotation. And it seems like there could be a chance that Kemba gets traded, even though Kemba came to uh, the New York Knicks as a free agent. He was released by OKC after he was traded away from Boston. And he's from New York. And, you know, if he does leave, I don't really know where he would end up. But, you know, he probably has always wanted to play in New York and likes playing in New York and is probably just going through a struggling time. He kind of has had his injuries with the Celtics the last season and then came in here as kind of a changed uh, player and now here he is hopefully um, you know he might be um, going to a whole new team and might be going to a whole new uh, squad and um, yeah I don't really know exactly where he is going to end up but um, if he gets moved but we will see. Boston Celtics are right now at this point tied record-wise with New York, Philadelphia for second in the Atlantic Division. They are in terms of the standings in general. Um, I don't know uh, how they gauge the numbers, but right now they are 
the uh, they're on ESPN ranked number eleven, which New York, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Boston all have eleven and ten records. I don't know how they would uh, categorize um, all of these teams, how they'd be ranked, but they'd probably do it based off of record um, against the other teams here. So the record of Boston against New York, Cleveland, Philly, Atlanta versus New York against Cleveland, Philly, Atlanta, Boston, and so on and so forth. Um, So I'm guessing that's what took place, and that's why the Celtics are an 11 seed. So at this point, it looks like, unless something goes totally different, the Celtics are going to at best be a play-in team, which could be a 7 seed, could be a 9 seed, could be a 10 seed. That's probably what they are, a play-in team. They're probably not a solidified, solid top six. I don't think they're that bad. Like, I don't think they're, you know, Indiana bad. I don't think they're Detroit bad. But I do think that they're not good enough to be a lock for the playoffs because they haven't played like that. They've played like a team that's just above 500, and they've struggled at times, and they've had good games and bad games, and Tatum's had good games, Smart's had good games, Brown's had good games. But they're not a team that I would say, yep, they're good, they're solid. I wouldn't say that because they're not. And I think it's tough to watch as a Celtics fan because there are people who wanted this outcome. Maybe not the record, but they wanted the Celtics to have Jalen and Jason as the two stars with a bunch of role players surrounding them. And what they got was this, which is mediocrity, right? I don't really know why... uh, this group is sticking together with the young guys and the rookies. I think this season's the last one of this this sort of iteration of the Celtics. The Celtics need to do something that maybe fans might not like, but I would like it, which is bringing in somebody else who can play with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and potentially get their team above that hurdle. Whether that's Carl Anthony Towns, whether that's Bradley Beal, whether that's Damian Lillard, whether that's any insert player, Ben Simmons even, um, insert who you want to insert, and I could see that uh, working. But keeping this team and keeping these players and hoping that it works, it just doesn't, and it probably won't work. And that's just unfortunate because we were a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals and was you know one game away from beating Cleveland, and say what you will, we had a good core, a lot of great players, and now here's where we're at. We've swapped out Gordon Haywards and Terry Rozier's and, you know, all these important pieces. Marcus Morris, these guys are all gone, and what we got in return was Aaron Nesmith and Peyton Pritchard and um, Juancho Hernan Gomez and all these sort of average rookies, young players, role players who probably aren't the best and we really don't have a lot of options for this team in terms of the players we have our draft picks over the last three years have been pretty piss poor I mean Robert Williams is coming into his own and he's probably the best of the bunch but Pritchard's not good Nesmith's not good I don't care what you say Romeo's not good I don't care what you say Grant Williams is not good these guys are in some cases, failed draft choices. And the fact of the matter is, 
you could have done so much better. You could have got players who actually helped. You chose, I think it was um, Aaron Nesmith over Cole Anthony. Now, I'm not saying Cole Anthony is the greatest point guard, but he would have been a better point guard than Aaron Nesmith is as a small forward for this team. You know, there was uh, so many different players you could have chosen over Romeo Lankford if we're just looking at, you know, Romeo Romeo uh, Lankford's draft, um, which was, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it was 2019. Uh, and if you're looking at the 2019 draft, he was uh, number 14, which they could have. Let's see who they could have chosen. Um, he was a shooting guard. They could have chosen Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, they could have chosen Matthijs Dibule, which they could have had, but instead traded him uh, away. Well, they traded the pick to Philly. Brandon Clark uh, looks like a much better, um, a much better option as a player, but um, I guess uh, I guess that's not the case. So they chose differently. Darius Baisley, who is actually from Boston, was actually from Brockton. Massachusetts originally um, and they could have chose him instead but they didn't Keldon Johnson again could have chose him and didn't Kevin Porter Jr.'s had his issues but he looks like a decent player for the Rockets could have chosen him and at the end of the day we made mistakes when it was drafting uh, players you know we made mistakes that just they weren't really good choices, and I think the the sort of the Boston Celtics made so many uh, different decisions that at the end of the day they didn't really work out right. So, like I said before, Nesmith we could have drafted Cole Anthony, which I mentioned, could have drafted Sadiq Bay, who looks like a pretty solid small forward and probably a better small forward than Nesmith. And I remember. At that draft, they were talking about Sadiq Bey being potentially a top 15 draft choice. We chose uh, Nesmith. We could have chose Tyrese Maxey, who's not the worst player in the world. We could have chosen Emmanuel Quickly. We could have chosen Jaden McDaniels, who actually looks like a solid player in um, Minnesota. And then we could have chosen a guy that we could have drafted just outright, Desmond Bain, who's looking very good for Memphis, but we traded that pick away for some seconds that aren't going to matter at the end of the day. And so that's our team, right? We've made some choices drafting-wise that just haven't worked out, drafting-wise that haven't panned out, drafting-wise that at the end of the day aren't good. And as a Boston Celtics fan, you have to just think about these mistakes and just kind of say, okay, these are the mistakes, these are what kind of uh, the things that took place, and we got to just kind of accept that and move on. So I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen for this season, but if it doesn't go as planned and we don't make the playoffs or we make the playing game and lose, Ida May and you know, Brad Stevens and sort of the core of this group of people in charge need to come together and kind of say, look, are we actually going to win with this group or do we have to make moves? Because it's going to get to a point, and I know a lot of Celtics fans hate to hear this, but this is my opinion and I think it's 100% true. 
it could get to a point where we have to consider moving Jalen or Jason because we've seen a lot of iterations of the Celtics, and if it doesn't win us a championship, then it could be Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. That could be a problem, right? I don't want to say that yet, but both of these guys are small forwards who play similar styles of basketball, who do some of the same things. There's not sort of this uh, difference in uh, styles of play or difference in positions, and they're both great. But is it time to potentially move on from one of these guys to bring in someone who's maybe a different player or a different fit? Or maybe a big man like a Carl Anthony Towns or a point guard like a De'Aaron Fox or Damian Lillard or someone who's like a different kind of, you know, catch-and-shoot type guy like a Bradley Beal rather than a 3-and-D wing. Maybe. I don't know. But it could get to that point where we have to make these decisions. And I know a lot of Celtics fans don't want to get rid of Jalen Brown because he's an all-star or Jason Tatum because he's an all-star. It's a decision they'll have to consider, and it's not an easy one, but, you know, it could have to get done, and as a Celtics fan, you got to kind of do what's best for the team, and I think Danny Ainge has made a lot of mistakes. I think uh, Brad Stevens has tried so far to kind of rectify some of them by giving us a little bit of wiggle room in terms of future cap space, but I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, I expect big things, hopefully, this season for the Celtics. If they win, great. If not, who knows?